Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Copon. Wow. wow. Uh, hello. Hello, everybody. Welcome. A big, huge, warm welcome to Copon Podcast. This is Copon Live on YouTube, and it's Copon coming at your oracles, uh, wherever you are, whoever you are, on the podcast version. Thank you so much for being here absolutely wonderful to have you with us uh i'm joined by by nigel and by fergus nigel in ireland fergus in portugal um fergus i'm going to start with you because you haven't uh, we haven't spoken for a while in fact we haven't really spoken on cop on yet this season so i'd like to get your views on you know what's how you think this season has started well it started uh with the um the charity shield which was an excellent performance and after that uh, i think everyone including klopp all the supporters me included thought we were on for a, another rollicking season of the reds marauding their way through the premier league possibly winning it possibly doing the champions league double um but after the first is it five league games of the season it's five now, yes. Yeah, and it's uh, what is it? One, one. It's one two. One drawn two, one. drawn one, lost. Drawn. No one, no drawn two. One two, two drawn two, lost, lost one. one. That's it. Yeah, so it's been really disappointing performance. I mean, Bournemouth aside, and okay, it was a great performance. We have to give credit to the team for a, a great performance, but it was against Bournemouth. You know, it's a bit of a chicken shoot, and. Uh, <laughs> The other games, our performance has been well below standard, including last night against Newcastle. I really didn't like the Crystal Palace game, although Klopp liked it, and I remember you saying you liked it. The performance against Fulham was dreadful, but Fulham have shown themselves, they were very good in that game, and they've shown themselves to be good, despite Arsenal beating them last time out. Um, uh, Fulham have shown themselves to be good. You know, they are a serious proposition under, under Marco Silva. So this season has turned out, it looks like our players are jaded. It looks like they're complacent. Um, they're fatigued. Uh, the squad, even though our squad is deeper than Man City's, we may not have the megastars they have in terms of ability and wages and all of that. We don't have the first 11 Man City has. But we have a deeper squad than they have. But it's really been tested by the injuries. Why the injuries are there? Uh, it could be fatigue from the last couple of seasons. And it could well be a very, very intense preseason, which we know that Klopp likes to put them through. So this season, I mean, it started very, very... If you exclude the Man City game, which might have been a one-off, is a great performance. Apart from that, I think it's been absolutely abysmal by Liverpool standards. Bournemouth aside, which was a chicken shoot... And really, it's meant that this season, I'm saying that we won't win the league. We'll do. We'll probably we could finish. We we'll probably finish top four. But I think this could be an off season for the Reds. It may be a season where we don't win the league. We finish top four, and we get to the Champions League quarterfinals, semi-finals. And I didn't think that before the season began, but that is based on performances I've seen so far. Yes, it's been very difficult, hasn't it? It's been really. Really nuts. I've just uh, noticed that on um, on YouTube it's not working because I'm I'm I've been a bit of a goon 
and unfortunately the, the desktop audio for some reason is not working so I, they can't hear you they can only hear me so i'm very sorry for for youtube people i'm going to end the broadcast now and thank you for tuning in but that was a really nice answer uh fergus thank you to everybody for tuning in i'm so sorry i'm going to keep working on this spent ages making it look all fancy with all the stars and the the banners and the the flashing lights and and uh, you can't freaking hear it so uh, a thousand apologies to everyone who's tuned in i will get it sorted for next time and uh yeah uh hope to hope to see you soon because you won't be able to hear the guests that's the thing you can hear me but you won't be able to hear the guests so um yeah all right also uh, uh take care everybody on youtube we'll be back very soon <laughs> and for those of you on the uh on the audio version we will seamlessly go into a question for nigel that i thought that was a very good summary uh by fergus of of the season i feel much the same uh regarding the fatigue regarding the how our how our you know early season optimism after the after the community shield has really you know really plummeted into the depths but with two big w's uh in the last couple of games nigel i mean i am feeling a bit more optimistic but for reasons that i wouldn't have thought of at the start of the season like i'm we said how excited we were about fabio carvalho and harvey elliott but when you see it sort of developing before your eyes how brilliant these kids really are it's something that we're going to enjoy regardless of what happens from here on in isn't it oh yeah i think so um i think it's coming to a point now where you've got to start both of them not just harvey and there's no people might say sometimes that harvey is only starting because we have a midfield crisis not a hope in hell he's been one of our best players this season he's been fantastic um and it's coming to the point now where he's going to have to start carvalho as well because he's making he's going to make it impossible to leave out just back to the previous point for a moment um, we played well against Manchester City in the Charity Shield and we played well against Bournemouth. No um, no fluke, I think, that the fact that we actually scored first in those two games and it gave us an impetus to move on. Um, if we don't score early, sometimes we have a tendency to struggle. Last night being an absolutely perfect example of a team frustratingness. Apart from the time wasting, I'm not... It was bad, but we've been we're being our own worst enemy with all the sideways stuff. You know, we're we're given our forwards so little to deal with, and then we're giving them big hoof balls to try and deal. They're like big high ball up to Mo Salah when he's marked when he's been marked by a six foot seven giant. <laughs> you know what, what are you supposed to do there? It and he's still make like, sense. no, it doesn't. Um, I I'm a little bit disappointed with that. I, I I'd like to think we could be actually we could be trying to play a little bit more. Um, on the front foot and not just knocking the ball <sighs> like it's all right holding on to the ball for 20 minutes but we've like we're, we're going sideways like the, the times when we tried to push forward last night the, the chance diaz well, when he went around the keeper and kind of hit the shot off balance over the bar and bobby's goal look at bobby's goal like there was one two three it was just bang 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 straight through the middle just cut him open now i know you've got to you've got to probe for chances like that you've got to kind of work chances like that but we've got to do, try and do it a little bit more at the moment i know we're shy players we're, we're shy tiago we're shy other, a couple of other players but there's got to be a little bit more i think um go forward and then we go back to the other two to, uh, to harvey elliott and fabio carvalho who like carvalho has come on twice he scored two goals in his last two games He's looked very, very lively. Um, like it's coming to a point now where we're going to have to start him. Yeah. Uh, Elliot, our best player last night, by a mile, he was great. 
there's a really good compilation of of Harvey Elliott versus versus Newcastle doing doing the rounds. Um, extremely impressive, uh, especially with the ball. I do think without the ball, like any nineteen year old midfielder who's you know slightly uh, you know lightweight, maybe um, you know he has to work on his presence, and it, it, he'll get there. You know, in terms of defensive play, but yeah, with the ball, the the dynamism and and the fact he was trying things was was very good. But um, you know, go to the actual emotion of last night of the actual winner, uh, Fergus. I, what what did you do? Because I like tell me honestly, when 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 Joe Gomez tried that first time volley from outside the area. That sort of, you know, it went, it hit the cow that was jumping over the moon. It hit that cow's butt. Um, and I thought, oh, for fuck's sake, it's gone. It's gone. But I kept watching because, you know, it's a clock team. You never truly 100% give up, do you? But when Carvalho, when that ball hit the back of the net, immediately I was up and I was running around and it was quite late here in France and um, Stephanie, a lovely girlfriend, was telling me to shut the H up because I was making too much of a racket. Um, what? How were you feeling uh, leading up to that goal and, and when that goal went in, Fergus? Uh, as with you, even though it looked like we were banging at the door and we'd never, we'd never get in, as with you, I thought there's always a chance with the Klopp team and with this Liverpool team. And I also know that the way Newcastle were play-acting, going down in the area, there was extra time in the extra time. And I could see the referee was getting... You know, I knew that referee... Uh, I don't have a lot of time for Andre Mariner, but last night I could see he was ready to to penalise them as well, which he did. He gave us a good extra couple of minutes. I think it was the eighth or ninth minute of, of uh, five minutes of injury time. So when the goal went in, of course, yeah, it was it was fantastic, and it was just punishment for the way Newcastle were play acting and how they behaved. Um, so that was great to see the kind of the scenes afterwards, that, you know, the kind of taunting of the Newcastle bench and the Newcastle fans. Apparently, Harvey Elliott also taunted the fans, the Newcastle fans. But uh, it was a bit of a lucky finish by Carvalho. He could. The way he sort of slammed it, it hit the top of the bar, in, underside of the bar and went in. That, on another day, you know, that gives me the heebie-jeebies because that could have been skied over the bar just as easily. So it was a lucky finish. And I think, you know, we, to be perfectly honest, from the performance, we didn't really deserve to win. Newcastle deserved to draw. Um, so, yeah, I think we got away with it. I think Klopp was doing his best to rile the team because the team weren't on it. They weren't on it physically. They weren't on it emotionally. They weren't pushing like a normal Liverpool team. So he was on the sidelines, giving it large to the referee, to the fourth official, to the other bench, to his own players, to the opposition players, to try and get some emotion and inject some some oomph into the team, some energy. Because you could see there was no energy on the field. So... Um, <clears throat> You know, it did work last night, but we can't be relying on performances like that. We can't be relying on lucky winners, which it was a bit. It was a lucky winner. Went off Mo Salah's head twice, and by the way, Salah got two assists last night, even though he hasn't scored. 
Um, so it went off Salah's head twice before Caravaglia slammed it in. So, yeah, it was a lucky winner and it was, of course, delightful. It's always great to go to bed after a Liverpool win, much better than going to bed after a draw or a loss. So, yeah, good, but uh, performance not so good. What interesting stuff. Um, you thought that uh, what you thought that a draw would have been a fair result, or, or would you would you say that Newcastle uh, deserved to win? Or? I'd say a draw would have been a fair result. Yes, definitely. Okay. Newcastle okay. did did enough for a draw. They went one nil up. We got one back. We didn't look like scoring at all, Owen. You know, hardly looked like scoring, and Newcastle well, defended slout, uh, stoutly. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, they did. I was very impressed with Dan Byrne. And, um, you know, despite Salah's two assists, I was very impressed with how, how he and Matt Target doubled up on Mo Salah and kept him largely quiet. But, you know, I've got the, I've got the XG in front of me from Understat and Liverpool's XG was 1.76 compared to just 0.64 for Newcastle. Um, and there were uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 shots from Liverpool, from inside their area, although a lot of them were from, um, you know, uh, what, 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 what can you say, optimistic angles. Um, but I, th- I thought I thought we did deserve to win on... Yeah, well, on... but Pope hardly had a shot to save. I mean, that's what I'm going on. Like, sometimes the mm. XG can be um, deceiving because there were some close-up to the goal incidents, but, mm-hmm. you know, there were some chances close to the six-yard box, but... No, nothing clear cut. And did Pope have a good save to make? I can't remember him making a decent save. Well, yeah, I mean, there was a moment that Diaz missed when he went around him and shot over the bar. But uh, yeah, even that was uh, a little more than a half chance because he had two defenders in front of him and he was at full stretch. You know, we had we had hardly any clear cut chance. That looked like maybe a high XG shot because the goalkeeper was gone. But, you know, to me... Yeah, it's it's in this case. I think we had, I mean, the, the goalkeeper had had very little to do. The opposition goalkeeper, which yeah, okay. says a lot, really. Yeah, okay, fair enough. I wonder, wonder what you you make of all that, Nigel. Would you would you say? I mean, I would say Liverpool shaded it and deserved to win. And uh, you know, especially as as Fergus mentioned, the the despicable diving tactics of 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 Newcastle. I mean, even Simeone might have tutted or clicked his teeth in in disappointment at those that kind of those kind of shenanigans yeah uh, but, but what do you think about any of that yeah it was pretty poor now in newcastle they tried to, like basically they killed any momentum that we were trying to build up um just wondering have you got any xg on how to hit a cow's arse with a banjo um <laughs> that was terrible last night um I, I, well, I, I'm not sure we des- we all out deserved to win it, but the thing was there was only one team trying to win it after the oh, for the last for the, most of the second. Once we equalised, basically, they retreated and started going down and fouling. I mean, Diaz got clipped going down the wing a couple of times and only one yellow card. I think for, for fouls on him. Um, Crazy. He was awful, the ref and Andre Marin. I mean, apart yeah. from you know, bra- bravo for adding the timer, but he was freaking awful. He should have booked about five of them for time wasting as well. I, as don't it, I, I don't think that was the only time he added on, though. In the end, the extra time he added on. Did you see the color of him? He must have had ten minutes extra in the sunbed. <laughs> he was orange. <laughs> he was bright orange. He was the future. Yeah, oh, no, totally. Yeah, um, or something. Um, but, uh, yeah, he. Um, our our corner deliveries last night. Oh my god, free kicks and corners were were so poor. 
like the one we got right at the end Millie put in a good ball Joe Gomez won the header I I don't count that goal as lucky um, like Mo Salah he said, Fergus said that Mo Salah got a couple of touches Mo Salah won those two headers last night he went up with two guys who were much bigger than him won the first header went up in the air again he won it again and Carvalho's finish right fair enough they can go in the stand but he caught that right on the laces and in off the crossbar that was unstoppable that was a cleaner hit as you're going to see anywhere um, now not saying they can't go into the top of the stand as well as into the top of the goal but he absolutely middled that in the middle of his instep last night it just it was a it was a really good finish and uh, that, that was that by, by no means was that lucky for me anyway it looked a really really clean connection if I had a, if he had a scuffed it and hit the ground and went into the top corner like I, I, I saw a thing once um, I, I was I couldn't see the game I was listening to it on the radio going home from somewhere and Fulham were playing I don't know if you know if you remember Sylvain Leguinsky when he played for Fulham French midfield player and I was just, a bell yes yeah uh-huh. a, a big guy he was he was half decent but um this ball I was hearing a report on this goal and uh the guy said, oh, Leguinsky, he said, a great header. He said, he headed the ball down into the top corner. And I was thinking, my God, he must have got some height for that. But he'd actually headed the ball down and it bounced into the top corner. Okay. So I was, I was, just, I was just thinking, I was thinking about climbing about 26 feet in the air and headed down into the top corner. It was just, <laughs> it was just a, an image I had in my head. But no, that, that, that goal he hit last night was, was a sweet connection. Yeah, I mean, it's good to have a, dis- you know, difference of opinion here uh you know it's good to disagree sometimes um but uh you know i would say that i mean yeah i, I see where you're both coming from like, both that it's uh it you know could be lucky because it was so close to the bar um but also that it was a, it was a very sweet connection yeah absolutely and uh just because i'm biased i'm gonna say yeah fine it was uh it was he, he meant to hit it exactly there and because it was his birthday the day before the game absolutely brilliant um other things to take from that match uh yeah the performance of the midfield the sluggishness not just the midfield the general lethargy um it wasn't there for bournemouth and it's weird it seems to either be there or not and maybe it's something that nigel was saying earlier about going one nil down um has a big psychological effect on us um or, or or it's something else completely i mean bournemouth were rubbish of course any team that gets beaten nine nil is 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 you know they they play badly but at the same time we did play with this huge energy especially at the beginning of the game that was again lacking yesterday it was it's not just because newcastle are much better team of course they are but i don't know we i sent you some running stats earlier fergus and and Liverpool, I'll try and find them again. I'll find them in a minute. But Liverpool are around about 14th in the league for total distance run. And I don't know what you make of this, Fergus. If that means that Liverpool aren't running enough, we're, we're too tired, our preseason preparation has been all, all bad, or that we've kept the ball and we've gen- generally hadn't needed, we haven't needed to run all that much. Um, is that anything that you you're concerned about how how low we are on the on the total distance covered um no because uh, when you look at that table um it shows you the distance covered this season and last and we've per match we've covered almost the exact same distance per match this season as last season um coincidentally the athletic did a free podcast about distance covered this week so i actually listened to that a bit of that after you sent me that table and they also made the point that distance covered has no correlation with results. And if you look at uh, li- this last season's distance covered charts, Liverpool were 
below halfway. Chelsea were third from bottom in distance covered. And partly is it, of that is due to game state. Um, I think it was, which team got relegated last season? Norwich. Norwich had the highest distance covered last season in the league and they were relegated. So, so it's, you know, there was a lot of talk about distance covered when, when um, um, Brentford beat Man United and, uh, and apparently the manager, the Man United manager got them in the next day to make up the distance they hadn't made up, which is funny. Um, yeah, like he got, solution, run, he got them to run 11.6 <laughs> yeah. kilometers or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is punishment. But actually, no, there is no correlation. Distance covered is like passes made. It doesn't correlate to victories. If you look mm. at a, a Brendan Rodgers team, um, like the, the ex-Swansea and the current Leicester, they, get, they do a lot of passes. But I mean, Swansea went, were relegated. I don't know if it was with him. And Leicester aren't doing very well right now either. So, you know, and other teams play on the break um, and get good results. Uh, and so, it's it, you know, passing is not correlated to results either. It is somewhat, especially with Man City and Liverpool. So, um, no, I think that the real problem this year is underperforming of players. And the reason for underperformance, I think, is... Complacency and fatigue, um, and individual players can also be looked at and questioned. But I mean, this team has done so much over the past number of years that complacency has crept in, you know. They all have their big contracts. Um, they've all been to every major final and been, been competing for the league title every season. So in a way, you know, they've, they've got their families, they've got ordinary lives as well. It's come to a point where, I mean, could be just crunch time where a few of them are saying well you know I've done it all now I've got my slippers on that could well be it and it looks like it to me because apart from in the Bournemouth game we have not been on it we haven't been it's not just about distance covered it's about the aggression in the challenge you, you, you can anyone can close down but it takes the extra energy to actually make the interception or to make the block or the tackle or to close down and be and cut the passing lane and not just look like you're closing down. So that zip, the second thing, you know, the zip in the closing down is is was hasn't been there. The second thing that hasn't been there is the the speed of passing. It was re it was excellent against Bournemouth and it was very good against Man City in the Charity Shield, but the speed of passing has been so slow in the other games. Everyone's taking two and three touches, turning, twisting, this way, that, four touches. Liverpool at their best, you don't. It's, it's two-touch maximum. Everyone's two-touch and the movement. And that way you put teams off balance. Um, so they're, they're, for me, they're the main problems. Probably fatigue, um, probably complacency. And third is individual performances. I think Andy Robertson has been poor this year. Trent hasn't been good in several games, not just the midfield. I mean, the midfield, we do know about, we have our problems. Our midfield is aging. And apart from Carvalho and Elliot, who uh, are very good on the ball, but pro probably, uh, I'd say almost definitely can't be trusted off the ball in big games. Look at uh, Elliot against Man United. I, I think all the problems down the, the right-hand side where Gomez and and Trent were repeatedly exposed, was because Elliot was on that side. You know, he's very good on the ball, but he's a tiny guy, you know. He's about five foot five, and he does cover a lot of ground. He's not, he's not rapid, 
but he's energetic. He covers a lot of ground, but it's it's um, you know how many interceptions or blocks you see him do, and he just he doesn't have that um, awareness to be able to cover back as well as Henderson does when he's on the right. Um, so and then Carvalho, he's pretty much unte- untested in big games. He comes on as a sub. We know he's gifted uh, attacking and in the attacking third. But again, we can't we don't we can't know whether to trust him in a big champ. I, I'd say he would be himself and Elliot would probably be slaughtered in a game against you know Bayern Munich or good point, a- yeah. Atletico Madrid or or. Real Madrid in the Champions League, or even maybe PSG. So, you know, there are. So, I think those are the issues we have. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. But I mean, as as we're recording this, the 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 transfer window is is still open. There's like three or four hours left of it, um, and we've been heavily linked with a player called uh, Artur Mello. Uh, who we could talk about in a bit, or Arthur Mello, uh, depending on if you want to anglicise the pronunciation of his of his name, uh, we can do. But uh, you know, he's he's like a diminutive uh, possession based um, midfielder, um, a little bit similar to Thiago Alcantara, apparently. And uh, we can look at some stats of his later. But it's interesting what you're saying about off the ball because Harvey Elliott, for example, against Manchester United, he 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 lost possession. Uh, 10 times um, and last night against Newcastle despite even Jurgen Klopp saying he was by far the man of the match by far our best player as well as Nigel saying that earlier and and I yeah I probably agree he, yeah he was our, our outstanding player um, he lost the ball 19 times but when you have a player a, a talent as mercurial as you know and but you know a raw as it is uh, of of Harvey Elliott. Um, this is why it's it's just so essential, Nigel, to have people so that when he does lose the ball through rawness or trying something too too ambitious or or whatever, falling over, you've got at least two people who can sweep up behind. Fabinho's really good at it, even though he's looked a lot slower than than usual this season. But we need another one, Henderson is in the seventh percentile for tackles across Europe. You know, 93% of, of p- players make, make more tackles, and I think he's in about the 11th percentile for interceptions. I'll, I'll check it, but he's not very good at intercepting or tackling. Or So I think we need another one. I'm desperate for another one who can, you know, it's the responsibility. The responsibility shouldn't be on Harvey Elliott in those big games to defend all that much because he's there to be creative. I don't know. What do you think, Nigel? Well, yeah, I, I agree with you both. The thing is, um, Harvey Elliott would be most effective and Carvalho would be most effective in the way we play best. Bobby's goal last night, look at that. Um, we're slowing the game down too much. We're letting people get back in. And uh, as discussed earlier on, giving the ball away or losing possession is trying to pass the ball through a wall of 10 players and one of them getting a toy. It's as simple as that. We need to speed up our play. Like it's just we, we like we were we were half decent at it against Manchester against Manchester City against Bournemouth. We scored early and had they kind of folded up. But last night Newcastle got their men behind the ball. We were playing sideways football pretty much on the the, the Diaz chance we we've spoken about a couple of times. The Bobby goal and a couple of other little bits. Our whole game plan is kind of get down, 
get behind the fullbacks, try and get a low cross or a high or, or some kind of a cross in the players coming running onto the ball. The Bobby goal was like that. Salah, Salah kind of pulled the ball back into the into the from the space created in behind the fullbacks. We've got to try and like, like we're trying to be like we're we're trying to play too many um, oh passes that are a little bit too obvious. Trent's pass last night leading up to the first goal. We had possession right back and he tries this pass and it just goes straight down the middle into a Newcastle man at his feet and I'd see some people earlier on blaming Henderson for giving the ball away but he's stretching out trying to block a ball Trent hit the ball into a, a space where you're expecting a Newcastle man to be the ball never left ankle height and he's trying to look over at the far side for a ball say that, that switch ball to Diaz or Robertson but the ball never never rose so it puts us it puts us at a disadvantage straight away they, they broke actually very well last night I was impressed with Isaac last night I have to say I thought he looked very very lively he looked a good player he gave them an option and they were trying to they tried to try to drop back force us to do what we did basically and then catch us with our high line with Trent pushing into Trent was caught a couple of times when we were push, uh, pushing up he was he was up near Salah and all they had to do was knock the ball into the space because we had three men coming back and they all had to funnel out then like that and it, it, it kind of caught us, caught us out a few times but we've got to like our shape sometimes is not great and when we're playing that, that slow build and we're trying to push men on in a slow build we're going to get caught it's it's a really good answer um and i, I i've got some you know the stats from last night from whoscored.com in front of me trent um in his 70 minutes on the field because of course he was subbed off um two shots only one key pass and a 73.9% passing accuracy. And this passing accuracy is almost uh, directly linked to every good or bad performance that Liverpool has as a team. It's weird, because like our worst game against Man United, he, he had 58% passing accuracy, which is awful for a Premier League footballer in any position. Um, so he goes from 58% up to about 79 or 80% against Bournemouth, and you, you, that's a very good level for Trent to reach because he's trying risky passes. And that one you were talking about, that that crossfield ball, he just hit it on the wrong part of the ball, didn't he? And that's why it never got the lift. And it was, I agree with you, it was awful. Like it was a, it was a big risk to take that pass at that moment, but it was, uh, the execution was particularly poor. But it, we'll, we'll give him that because the amount of time he tries these long balls and these crazy switches and, you know, he gets them right most of the time. But it's just like, I don't know, something about, he doesn't look quite on it to me. And Fergus, I don't know if that's the same for you. If you think Trent, I mean, he's got a World Cup coming up. Um, at the moment, if I were Gareth Southgate and I played def as defensively as Gareth Southgate wants to play, which I wouldn't, but um, I, w I wouldn't pick Trent in my uh, as a right back. I don't know how you feel about Trent's form, Fergus. Yeah, well, for, for England, um, um, Rhys James is a, a far better option. He's more of an all-rounder. In fact... You know, Rhys James really gives Trent a run for his money. He's probably a more all-rounder footballer than Trent is. Um, he's just has he's he's shorter and has that. He's stronger, isn't he? he he's played he plays centre back in a in a back three for Chelsea, um, and he, you'd kind of struggle to see Trent in that position. He'd be good at spraying the balls around, but you'd sort of you'd um, be concerned a bit for him in the physical one-on-one -on -one battle that you need as a in a back three or a back two as a centre-back. Uh, so Reese is, is much more of an all-rounder. He's also excellent going forward. 
so I think Reese for England is is the better right back. And it, does Trippier play right back? No, he's a left back, isn't he? No, he plays right back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. Trippier as well. I mean, Kyle both... Walker is the other one. Yeah, exactly. Right. All, all all three of those fullbacks actually suit England better, but uh, Trent suits. You know, I think that yeah, Trent, Trent suits Liverpool because of his creative ability. But um, yeah, he's he hasn't been on it. I suppose the stats might show that. And um, I don't think the I think the whole team hasn't been on, on it. You know, I think Gomez had probably his best game last night, um, and uh, Virgil hasn't been very good. So um, I'd say the whole team is is uh, not on it. I'd, and I'd say you know Trent Trent gets all the, the the praise. He also gets more of the criticism. Andy Robertson, I think, has been very anonymous this season. Um, his crossing has been poor. He hasn't done much. And I actually think that Simikas has been, when he's come on, shown flashes. I, I, Simikas is probably a better crosser of the ball than Robertson anyway. And as Nigel said, our corners are, are you know, even though we have a good goal-scoring record from corners, you know, most of our corners are dreadful. We don't seem to have a routine. We don't seem to surprise uh, teams with our corner routines. Look at Brentford, you know. Liverpool well, are supposed, yeah, supposed to be looking but, at marginal gains and have, have, you know, we have a throw-in coach. What about a corner coach? Well, you say that, but I'm going to have to interject. I think this is this is uh, something that, that um, Miguel Atkinson's mentioned a lot on the Anfield Rap, how every single team thinks they should get more goals for corners. Um, but there was a study that I read, uh, I think about a year ago, and it was a study on all of the corners in all of the top leagues. And only 2% of all corners ever turn into goals. So 98 out of 100, you could just forget about. Um, so, and also Liverpool scored, uh, I think, more corners than anyone in the league last season. Perhaps West Ham were up there, but I think it was Liverpool who were number one in the league. So I think we are working on corners quite well. And if you look at the the, the blocking that goes on in there, with the corners, um, you know, someone who's not really a, a header of the ball, like Firmino, for example, will will try and get in the way of maybe one or even two defenders to allow someone who's a better header of the ball to get on the end of it. Uh, so I'm just going against what you say on on the corner point. But in terms of, go on, sorry. Yeah, it's. Um... I would not, it would be nice to see. I take what you you say, and Liverpool did rings a bell. They had the best corner scoring percentage last season, but uh, it wouldn't be nice to see some different routines. When when Brentford do corners, it looks like they've, you know, they're coming up with stuff I've never seen before. Whereas with Liverpool, it just seems like it's just a scrum in the scrum in the in the penalty area every time <laughs> yes. they hit it in. Yeah, yeah, and just relying on a on a big lad to get his head on it rather than any routines so it would be nice to see that but yeah um the whole team has looked off it and um put it down to individuals yes i i mean it is a debate you and i have often about henderson i actually think you know henderson is a key player for us and um you know he is getting on it would be nice to have someone to come in um and at times and looks like he might be out for a while uh but um, in general, our midfield is going uh, downhill because we have aging midfielders like Thiago, Henderson and Milner and Fabinho, let's face it. 
He's looked better last night, actually, more mobile. He looked dreadful in the first couple of games of the season. In fact, he was left out for the Man United game, I think. So um, that's probably down to fatigue again. Um, so we have sort of elder statesmen in midfield or we have kids for the midfield. Yes. And there's nothing in between. This Arthur Mello guy, I just Googled his name when you mentioned him. They call him Artur for Juventus. He's 26 years old. The 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 Google, top result in Google was that he he was boarding a plane in Turin to fly to Liverpool for a loan deal, so it looks like it's going to happen. He does look like a stopgap um, because it's a loan deal. Um, he went for big money. I think Barcelona paid thirty million and Juventus paid forty two million for him, and he's twenty six years old. So he's obviously highly rated, and he's pretty much a a mini Thiago. He's uh, a good all rounder, probably better in the. Uh, challenge then then Tiago because he's on his stats last season he won 66% of ground duels um and um doesn't win his air duels at all because he's only about 5 foot 6 or something he's 5'7 uh, yeah yeah uh -huh. and but he's he is good he's got um you know good chip passes and good passing range so he's a he's a a a, a pocket tiago or i mean pocket I maybe mean, tiago's only 5 foot 7 but he's a he's another tiago let's say a tiago light that's yeah. the, that looks like what we're signing which is useful but it is a stopgap and the reason for that is we went for um i've heard from good sources we went for chuemani this season who's 21 22 but he rejected us in favor of the european champions maybe if we'd become european champions we might have had a better chance but he went to Real Madrid Maybe. instead. And I can they see probably why... offered him a lot more money as well. Yeah, so. but, and, <laughs> but I can see why Klopp, Liverpool and FSG don't want to sign, you know, a Ruben Neves or someone who's just not quite the future of Liverpool, you know, and they, and they should wait. They should wait. Even if this is a fallow season when we don't do that well, they should wait for the, net, for the right player at the right time at the right price. They have to wait, you know. They don't, they're not living for today they're not living for this season they've got to bear in mind the stewardship of the club so you know if the right midfielder isn't available this season we shouldn't buy one interesting stuff what do you reckon Nigel with this you know with this uh, clock ticking down until the transfer window uh, what do they say slams shut yeah I wish it had slammed shut about two months ago <laughs> yes, so, so boring <laughs> they got to create stories from nothing, don't yeah, they? That's, well, that's yeah, their yeah. job. Yeah, yeah. Plane takes off, plane lands. You know what I mean? Oh God, I know it's terrible. But um, <laughs> we, we basically needed somebody. So you know, I saw it when I come up this morning. I, 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 a while ago, I googled some stuff about Artur, um, and he, like, he, he does play like. But from what I've seen, he, he plays like Thiago. So yeah, I can't see any problem with that. Um, like, it's a kind of a, it, it's a bit of a win-win situation for him. Like, if he does well, you'd imagine Klopp would like to have him hanging around. You know, twenty-six years old. Probably knows Thiago through Brazil and Barcelona, although he probably wouldn't have been at Barcelona with him. Well, he definitely wouldn't have been at Barcelona with him, but he might know him through, you know. But anyway, he's he, like, you could imagine he'd learn off Thiago bits and pieces. And um, like, he wouldn't, I, I don't think he'd come into contention for the Everton game on Saturday, although he might if we're going to be that stuck. But I think we have Curtis Jones back. Uh, who else? We, we might have Matip back. Um, I, I don't know what's Yeah, we have Darwin back as well. Uh, have we got any other midfielders back? Midfielders, yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know. I can't. I, I haven't heard of anything. I can't. My mind's gone blank. I've yeah, yeah. Chamberlain is still out. So yeah. Thiago is still out. So well, he, isn't Thiago a bad trainer? Did he train? Oh, Thiago? I don't know. I haven't seen today. Yeah, uh, I don't know. But I thought he. I thought he. said he was close to being back, and he might have trained. Well, I'll so, check all that before. Yeah, before, yeah, uh, before too um, long. Like he might, there mightn't be much of a much of a choice that he might have to go in at least on the bench. Yeah, uh, yeah. But if we if we sign Artur, though, I mean, he's got his injury problems. I mean, he had so, surgery uh, last year, just a year ago. Uh, well, sorry, at the beginning of last year, I believe, um, for three months or something, he was out with the with with a it was hamstring, and he's only completed twenty plus games in any league season once and that was back in 2017 which points to either being out of favor or more likely having lots of injury issues and injury niggles so he's he's played for barcelona he's played for juventus um 30 appearances i believe last season uh, 22 starts uh, and he hasn't started any matches so far this season but according to guillaume balag he is 100 percent fit and he is sort of you know on his way to Liverpool, so we, we we'll see what happens. I think it's a good thing to get, you know, in exceptional circumstances like now, when we just don't have enough midfielders to get a stopgap. That, as you say, it might work, and if it works, we can yeah, keep him. And... I just be a little bit worried about um, the more attritional nature, so to speak, of the Premier League compared mm. to La Liga or Serie A. We can sit down and have a cup of tea, like and sometimes on the ball. You know what I mean? It's yeah, just, that's true. It's a lot slower. Um, you just be a little bit worried, but get him on the ball and see what he can do. You know what I mean? He's he's going to yeah. have to be tried. I think. Like he's if in the... be gone, mm-hmm. there's going to be no choice. He's going to well, have I mean, to... he's in the he's in the ninety seventh percentile for for pass completion compared to all all midfielders in Europe. So we're getting something of a pass master. But it's a very good point whether he'll have the time on the ball to do it. We'll see. Um, let's move let's move forward to the Everton game. It's at Goodison Park. Uh, Everton have won just one of their last twenty three. Premier League meetings with Liverpool, a 2-0 victory at Anfield, of course, in February 2021. It's funny how the mind works, isn't it? Because I remember that horrible feeling of losing to them in that middle of that awful run in, you know, lockdown Anfield more than I remember the 23 unbeaten matches against them in which we've drawn 12 and sorry, 22 other unbeaten <laughs> Premier League meetings. We've we've won 10 of them and drawn 12 of them. And But now when I bring back to mind some of the ones that we've won at Goodison Park, Sadio Mane after Sturridge hitting the post, of course that floods back to mind. And there were so many memories of brilliance under Klopp uh, at Goodison Park. Um, Fergus, despite the fatigue, despite the slow play, despite the sluggishness and the fact that we're realistically maybe looking at top four rather than any kind of uh, title challenge and the possibility of a fallow season, despite all that, the idea of going to Goodison, the old lady, and, you know, making her old joints creak with you know pain again um you know imagine the faces of the evertonians as luis diaz completes his hat trick darwin nunez completes his hat trick and we win eight nil are you thinking that kind of thing 
Uh, I would love to be, have your um, wild imagination, Owen, in this regard, <laughs> at least. Um, no, I was more thankful that it's a 12.30 kickoff, so um, <clears throat> the, the Evertonians won't be quite as rabid as they might be, you know, uh, five pints deeper. So, that's true. Yeah, so that's good on our side. And the way we've played, I am actually, I'm still quite fearful of going there going a goal down in front of the rabid Evertonian fans, even though they do have some quite uh, ordinary players, um, they can get up for this. They do have players like um, Anthony Gordon who can make a difference. You know, he got a taste for it. I, I, did he score against us last year? He may not have done, but he played well against us. I think he did. Did he score against us? I think. I mean, my memory, I can't remember the Newcastle game. That was yesterday. I don't yes. know. What Indeed. do you think, Nigel? Did he? Did he? Uh... No, no idea as well. Like, Nigel's okay. giving us the the shrug. So yeah, maybe. Yeah, but he <laughs> he has impressed uh, Anthony Gordon. He's got the he's got the bit between his teeth, as they say in the football cliches. They don't have. They've got hardly any forwards apart from him. Uh, Demarai Gray. He tends. Ah, uh, he's the one who scored against us. I think he certainly played well against us. They have a fellow called Neil Morpay coming in. Um, so and then in in midfield. Um, they they will have Tom Davis and uh, another guy who's impressed me actually this season, Alex Awobi, who used to be an Arsenal winger, but Frank has converted him to a a ball playing midfielder, which he's doing well as. And it looks like Idrissa Gay is back from um, Paris Saint Germain as well, but I don't think he's featured yet this season. But he's a good um, defensive midfielder. Um, so yeah, they ha they have decent players. Frank has got them playing better this season. And um, they have they're stronger at the back now with Connor Cody, who'll be up against his boyhood club, the Reds. He signed a he had a professional contract with the Reds, um, so he'll be out to prove a point. And he's a he's not the best centre back, um, but he is a good leader, and you know he'll be trying to he'll be doing his best. James Tarkovsky is a very good defender, but I mean that's all he does is defend. And then they've got Jordan Pickford, the maverick in goal, who could have a good day, a great day, or a really bad day. So I think it's going to be very tough. And Liverpool are clearly a superior team to Everton. But the way we've been playing, um, if we don't turn up, um, not literally, but if we don't turn up um, in a performance sense, we'll lose. So it's as simple as that. We will lose on Saturday if we don't turn up. And so far this season, we haven't really turned up. So let's see. I would be fearful for Saturday. Uh, but it's all down to Liverpool. It's down to our performance. It's not down to Everton. Everton will show up because this is their biggest game of the season. So they'll show up. But will Liverpool show up? That's the question. Well, it's a great answer. Um, you have, you know, absolutely knocked my confidence. But... Then I can think about Frank Lampard, Nigel. And, they, uh, you know, Fergus is right. They've got some really good players. They've got Cody, Tarkovsky, uh, Idris Ige coming back. It's, it's a great signing for them. Iwobi, I agree, he's done very well in midfield for them, although defensively, I'm not sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. What, how are you feeling about it, Everton? Well, if you think there was time wasting done last night, wait till Saturday. <laughs> 
What if they take the lead? You mean, yeah, or no. even if it's nil nil before that, before that, yeah, we have okay. to be proactive, we have to be going at them, we have to try and expose their fullbacks. Now, they got that Mikulowski, the Russian, on one side, and the guys I'm trying to think who was in who's the other right back. Um, is it still Seamus Coleman? I'm not sure, he was on the bench it. the last day, so uh, when they played the other night against Leeds. I just can't remember who played right back. I'll have a look right now for you. I've got the lineups here. Uh, they had, uh, oh yeah, Patterson, the guy from Rangers. That okay, they right. Yeah, Mikalenko on the left. Yeah. Patterson on the right with Tarkovsky and Cody in the middle. Well, it's it's more solid than it had been recently. Like the onus is on us to go out and make make the game. Like they're going to sit back. There is no danger of them trying to go out and try and play 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 us at our own game they're going to try and sit back they're going to try and soak up pressure they're going to try and waste time do you remember your man flopping on the ball um pickford flopping on the ball and winking at people and then yes getting it turned around on them by allison at the end last year that was brilliant it was brilliant it was brilliant but the onus is going to be on us to play. We've got to be kind of, oh, it's back to that thing again. We can't keep doing the sideways stuff. We're like, I'd rather see us play in really short corners than, than try and uh, play in some of the some of the corners. They might as well be short corners, but we're passing them straight to the, the first, their first man, the opposition's first man. So many times we did it last night, taking short corners and hitting the first man. Now, I know your stats on corners. You were on earlier on, but at least when we were taking corners last year, when we scored a, a good lot of them, they were clearing the first man. We were hitting guys in the shins with some of our corners last night, and like they're, they're getting easy clearances. So try and, like, in swinging corners to the edge of the six-yard box, the front edge of the six-yard box, and let one of our players attack the space. Now, there's not going to be much space, but try and get him to create something. But at least try and clear the first man. That's the most frustrating thing. Corners and free kicks not clearing the first man and putting us under pressure because he gets a boot on the ball and it's gone 60 yards down the field with one of their fast guys chasing after it. One of the opposition fast guys chasing after it. It puts us under pressure straight away. We've got to be proactive. We've got to be... Our passing has to be good. It has to be precise. It has to be quick and incisive. We play quick, incisive football on Saturday. We win. I agree. I agree with you both. It's, it's up to us. We have, we, we have it in our hands to you know get them get the get the energy you know get the motivation to play the very quick passing yes um everton do have some great players we one we we forgot to mention before uh was onana who who looks like a wonderful talent um unfortunately who they've signed uh raw uh, but um you know very strong very combative uh really really good midfielder um but you know alongside tom davis iwobi they played uh, that midfield against Leeds and then up front they had Anthony Gordon who scored they had uh, Demari Gray and Dwight McNeil uh, who always flatters to deceive in my opinion um, so that's quite a good team who are we going to go with uh, Fergus I mean obviously Alisson and goal uh, presumably Trent uh, there's a 50-50 call with Samikas and Robertson I would probably go Robertson uh, but uh, then Gomez and, and Van Dyke because Matip won't be back. Um, and then in midfield, what are we going to do? Now, Henderson is out. So are you going to go for broke? Are you going to go for gold? Are you going to go heavy metal, Fabinho, you know, Fabio Carvalho and Harvey Elliott? And then a front three of Diaz, uh, Darwin and Mo. I don't know. They're, they're, we've got options. Is Darwin just, back? Back um, for the Yes, yes okay. this is it, his first game back. So. I would definitely start Darwin. I'm sure he's champing at the bit. Uh, wants to um, make up for. I mean, he basically let the team and the club down by getting sent mm -hmm. off. 
<clears throat> it was it is uh, as as someone put it it was a um as my brother put it it was a cultural misunderstanding that headbutt um <laughs> which i thought was a very kind way of putting it <laughs> because i think darwin was wanted to go head to head you know the way they you butt heads kind of in a yes you know in a sort of a show uh, of you like know, two goats two yes, goats exactly so uh, he was darwin was looking to butt heads but somehow um it was a cultural misunderstanding and Chris, what is his name anderson anderson yes anderson uh maybe butted his nose against darwin's forehead or something uh <laughs> but anyway i i would definitely start darwin is our our strongest center forward um and our only real center forward so definitely start with him i think the midfield i mean it's not about what i would do i think what Klopp will do, even though Bobby's had two very strong games. We forgot to mention him last night, actually. We have to give him a lot of credit. He was one of our better players last night. I personally think Hendo was one of our better players last night. And um, but uh, So Firmino's had two, two very good games in a row. And so he potentially could start. But I would either start with Darwin or bring Darwin on after 60 minutes because we know he can be a real... He can really shake up the opposition when he comes on as a sub. He can break the game. He can change the game. Because, you know, Haaland started the season on fire with, what, six goals in five games or seven goals in five games, I think. I think it's eight. But yeah. Wow, eight. eight Back-to-back hat-tricks. Yeah, so Salah will be looking on at that. Salah's looking a shadow of his, of his former self. And in fact, we haven't discussed that yet. But one of the other, you know, you're trying to pinpoint the issues with the team this year. And I'm trying to point, pinpoint them as well. And I did have a look at the the heat map, the season heat map for Salah uh, this season compared to last on SofaScore. And um, Salah is basically hugging the touchline this year, whereas last year he was f- playing in a wider arc between the touchline and the edge of the six-yard box. In other words, you know, the right-hand post. Um, so it looked for some strange reason, Liverpool seemed to have... Neil Atkinson has pointed this out as well. It seemed to have adjusted their tactics, whereby Mo is pinned out on the right and Trent's coming in infield more. Which, if it's true, is very strange. I mean, Mo does appear to be pinned out on the right. He's always double marked, but um, he'll be looking on anyway at um, at uh, Haaland and how many chances he gets and how easily he takes them. I mean, Haaland's looking like a brilliant player. Um, so, and then. Uh, Darwin has to make up as well for lost time and lost minutes and has to start scoring. So he'll be hungry. So I personally would start Darwin. I'm not sure Klopp will. In midfield, I think Klopp will go with Milner because it's a derby. And it's, that's his trusted lieutenant. He always picks Milner when Henderson's out. And then he'll pick Fabinho. He'll have to, even though Fabinho played the full match last night. And then he'll play Elliot. So that'll be the midfield. And then it'll be the the normal defence, and it'll be the normal goalkeeper as well. So, um, but I think overall this season, Klopp has to. It's like a general who's got to get his troops back into war, into a battle again. You know, get them up for the battle again this season. And I think motivating a bunch of players who've been to every major final, won every major trophy, uh, literally every major trophy. You know, how do you motivate these multi-multi-millionaires to go again? 
against hungry teams like Arsenal, against hungry teams like Fulham. And that's really a big question for Klopp this year. How do you get these players up again? What uh, Sir Alex used to do, and I think Sir Alex gets too much credit for what he did, because basically they dominated the game financially for so many years. And that's why they, they basically signed every be- all the best players. That's why they won so many leagues. Klopp doesn't have that luxury. Um, but what, what um, Fergie also used to do, apart from sign all the best players and have the most money, what he also used to do was sack his right-hand man or move on his right-hand man every three or four years, get some new ideas in, get a new voice in. So, you know, Linders, we've been, we really have been giving him a lot of credit. But someone made that observation that maybe Liverpool needs some new ideas. Um, so, well, yeah, let's see. But, let's see. Uh-huh. Yeah, the question really is, how does Klopp get this bunch of extremely successful players motivated once again to do it again to be the hungriest team because we haven't won things and got to so many finals by being the best team with the best players we've won it by being the hungriest team a good team with a few great players but definitely the hungriest team on the pitch you know 98 percent of the time and we oh, i agree that this year so yeah no i do it get them up again no, it's a really good question. It's a really good question, um, and I, I, I think, I think it's, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's partly to do with 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 personnel. I really do like having, even if let's say um, Artemelo is, you know, his injuries, the surgery means he's not the same player as he was before, and you know, just having the extra body there, having the extra option there even if he only comes on for 30 minutes in in the odd match or whatever it would just that that will give some a different dynamic to the team um i think you know you refresh things this way our midfield will think you know there's an extra man to take my place in the team so i you know they might you know try even unconsciously try that little bit harder um but no okay nigel you've been uh, you've been uh you know, you you've been mulling over your choices for this match against Everton. You 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 shook your head vigorously at some of my choices, and I don't mind. It's a question of opinion. Uh, Fergus was absolutely right to talk about Bobby Firmino's form. Are you starting Bobby Firmino? Yeah. Uh, tell tell us your team. It's goalkeeper defence the same. I play Milner. I don't think there's any any way that he's not starting James Milner. Um, just for his leadership and his well, he's he's just going to be taking no rubbish. You know, Carvalho great for coming on, really really good, good young player, but not really the kind of guy who's going to go out and if he has to kick somebody in the throat, Milner will. You know, he's, he's up, yeah. That's that's the reason Milner will start. And the fact he's a good player, you know what I mean, James Milner won't let us down um, I have no problem with Milner starting at all I love James Milner I think he's great but um, he's there to lead the team um, we might actually be a little bit more proactive with him trying to go forward I think because we won't be kind of playing too lying deep we seem to be playing kind of playing too lying, too lying deep with, with Henderson and Fabinho last night and they were just taking the ball off one another and just knocking it sideways between themselves the full backs and the centre halves and there's not a lot of kind of quick ball going in behind that's I think that's another reason why Mo Salah is hugging the touchline. We're not playing as much quick ball to try and get in behind fullbacks, and he's not turning around in. And, and Trent is trying to come past him, and he's going and he's going around kind of the fullback and the inside centre, the, the left side centre half, their left side centre half, and Trent is coming into to as a kind of a wing back to get the ball into the box. I think that's the problem. With he's not coming down, he's getting caught 
and we're getting caught with ball over the top because we're holding on to the ball too long. Up front, I start Bobby. Um, I just think kind of the same as Milner. Knows the, the situation, what he has to do. Um, and, and in fairness, Bobby doesn't deserve to be dropped at the moment. Three goals in two games. He's playing three really assists well. assists in two games. Yeah, amazing. And assists as well, yeah. And he's just... He's he's playing really well for us at the moment. You know, he um he'll he'll dictate our play as long as he kind of stays up and doesn't have to come back. Like it, it wasn't it was frustrating last night, but the problem the frustration last night was like they were going down all the time and we got we weren't getting the ball moving up to the forwards fast enough. When we did, we scored. You know, Bobby scored a really nice goal kind of on, on a break on two quick passes. Harvey's to Mo and most pulled back to Bobby, caught them on the break. And I, I I think yeah, I think Bobby has to start. Um Depending on how it's going, then I think uh, if Curtis Jones is back, he could be he could be very much key because he could, he could just come on and do what Milner is doing. In case Milner, now I'm sure Milner, he's like a bionic man at the moment. You know, he just he's just not what you're going to get. So, um, oh, hang on. I've got a phone call on. I've got to I've got to take this. So just uh, take it, take it. Absolutely yeah, no problem. Just, no problem. Hang on for a minute. Sorry, one second. I... It's okay. I hope everything's all right. No worries. Yeah, take a call. Um, yeah. So uh, Liverpool, just a few a few more stats for you, Fergus. Then we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. Uh, but uh, only Chelsea versus Manchester United have has finished as a draw more often than Everton versus Liverpool, uh, which <clears throat> has finished as a draw 24 times, and Chelsea Manchester United has finished as a draw 25 times, but that's only in Premier League history, and I know that's a bugbear of yours, Fergus, because football started, of course it did, way before the Premier League, um, but uh, yeah, the, um, Everton versus Liverpool has also Seen more red cards than any other Premier League fixture, 22. Um, Everton have drawn their last three Premier League games. And the last time they drew four in a row was in October, November 2012, which included a 2-2 home draw with Liverpool. Um, and yeah, there you go. And also following uh, the 90th minute or last minute winner from Fabio Carvalho against Newcastle, Liverpool have now scored 40 winning goals in the 90th minute in the Premier League again, because Google doesn't understand prehistory, um, that football is still top division. Um, Liverpool has scored 40 winning goals in the last minute, which is 12 more than any other side. Uh, so there you go, a few stats for you there, Fergus. And um, I don't know, uh, Nigel, sorry, Nigel, had you had you finished? What, what, what were you saying? So, so you, you're going with a midfield of Fabinho, Milner and Elliot with Curtis yep. Jones coming off the bench. Maybe, yeah. Causing havoc. Yeah. And uh, you're going with Bobby Firmino, Diaz and, and Mo, the magic man. I am. Up front. I am. Okay. And then, That's very good I, I don't know. Uh, then maybe like bring on Carvalho then as well. Bring on like Diaz and Carvalho. Um, like run the legs off and basically hopefully maybe get in front and then at the end we can bring on uh, the, like the big guy up front with, with pace and then like Connor Cody wouldn't exactly be the quickest person in the world and Tarkowski is definitely not quick so st I'd start Darwin though this is why exactly why for his dynamism compared to Bobby although I understand as well Bobby's what everything Bobby brings. Yeah, no, I, I think I think I think Bobby has to start. I think I think it'd be unfair not to start Bobby. But I know no room for sentiment and stuff like that. But like, that's why I'd start Bobby. 
I just I think the Everton guys will go after after Darwin. I'd, I'd be a little bit worried about that. You know, he's, yeah, you know, no, the team's going to go after him. The crowd's yes. going to go after him as well. But no, he's got to be able to handle it. That's the thing. And guys, look, I've got to go. I've got to go as well. I have to finish. We've, we've been talking for over an hour, but it's absolutely wonderful to have shared this time with you to talk about these. Uh, this, I mean, it's still intriguing. It's an intriguing season that's developing in front of us and you know um it's such a great feeling isn't it when liverpool win matches and waking up in the morning hopefully we can win one more against everton and that's all we've got to think about so thank you very much uh fergus thank you very much nigel it's been a, a, a real pleasure and thank you to everybody following on youtube and i'm sorry about the the mistakes of the audio but i'll fix that for next time and thank you a million to everybody listening on the audio version so there you go You'll never walk alone. Thank you very much. And we'll speak to you soon.